0: Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Matters by the crossroads of Christianity and politics, um, where I'm your host, Anthony Cacaro and with me today is Sean Nichols. Bud, how are you doing?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Good, good. You know, we just another day. Still cruising along, and Biden's America, so we can see many places we can be going with this. Um, and we got, a, we got a good show today. I'm trying to dig into a lot of stuff today. Um, Really trying to get to the core at the heart of where certain things like we talked about in the last episode, which had to do with this real idea of totalitarianism and fascism and really trying to get to the core and the heart of things around uh, what makes kind of the Democrat Party tick today. Um, And it truly there's in recent months, there's been a few things that have occurred that really have been very enlightening of where they truly where the mask is coming off and so they can show and clearly you could see who they are. Um, and they're not hiding anymore. So, um, yeah, Sean, before we get in, how's everything going?
1: Man, I can't complain. Things are going pretty good. Uh, everybody's healthy, playing sports, staying busy. I don't live the groundhog life too much, so I can't complain.
0: Yeah. As your affirmation to the groundhog life is what my life is every day, uh, with my newborn, right? So it's a day in, day out. It's the same cycle, kind of routine. (laughs) the uh one break that i had in my whole groundhog routine with my son being like three months old three weeks old wow see i don't know time i don't even know time is a blur at this point
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we, wa- we still have a groundhog day a little bit
0: yeah as i say it's there's always it's, it's some sort of routine that gets in it anyway yeah but it's the one break i had is actually getting out to us for like go play softball right so that was my oh yeah all right i'm getting back out of the house <laughs> for for a few hours so it was, it was good to see us you know we kind of actually crushed the other team this past week so that was actually finally fun. got a win that was a fun yeah game. um uh, yeah to your point for everyone in the audience our team has been an absolute like you know what is it the bad news bears or whatever for like uh few few seasons we could, <laughs> we could we couldn't buy a win if we tried we're like then the it was like green yeah, well, it was bad. I think man, when we first started our first season, it was like my wife, like a bunch of, I think of our wives kind of like came out just to check out the game. They came out for one game and no one ever came back. Like we lost our fan base in like one game because they're like, you guys literally have like the balls like going like a ground ball, like between your legs. One of the errors, I was like, yeah, we finally got past that and uh, we're a lot cleaner this season. So we'll see what, where we're going. We're on the up and up. So
1: yeah, that's and, what and, happens uh, when most people just played baseball in high school and haven't done it in 15 years
0: yeah well that's why i took everyone a few seasons to kind of shake back <laughs> off some of the rust and now uh, here we yeah because i think everyone at that point was like yeah no one played in quite a few years <laughs> so now we all shook it back off so i think we're at a, we're in a good position with our team we have a good core guys and i think we're uh turning the right way to actually make a, a run for it in our league so we'll see it's fun to it's get really, out there early in the season and I knew since uh you guys missed me the first week that was a reason you guys lost so since it was all because I wasn't there so now that I came back I think it had a
1: close game too
0: close that game was 21 to 9 that is not close <laughs> that's a <laughs> they put a whopping on us uh, I was like that's what we just did this past week to their team 18 to 5 <laughs> Yeah, we had that filling
1: guy at third, and they hit it to him like three times, three or four times. Yeah. And there was another one where it was like a pop out and, and like right next to the third base, oh. and he completely missed it. And I was like, a little
0: bit. oh, gosh. See, that's the part where I was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to see it. So <laughs> it's
1: that's why I was like, can we nah. rotate somebody
0: else to third? Yeah. Well, that's always, it's always the fun. But and I'm sure people no... didn't come on here to listen to us talk about softball. Yeah, see how it's our wonderful softball team. No one's going pro. So, uh, yeah. So with that, let's jump into it on the show. Um, and we're going to do some slightly a little bit different on this show. kind of a little bit in the little bit different order of what we've done from some of the previous episodes. And kind of like so here, and here's kind of why is because the kind of the world that we're currently living in today, it's not what some seem to want to pretend they're like the world is they're living in is um the democrat party today and the left um as we discussed even in the last episode they're not the democrat party that most even remember from like the classical liberals or the jfk era right i mean heck jfk would probably be considered a con- conservative today and everybody would be hating him so to understand uh Where they are today, we need to kind of look back further to understand what their core, what a key piece around their core beliefs and where, what, like, what is their true north? Like, what is their standard of value that they measure everything against, but they have been for years, they haven't directly said it, but this mask has been coming off. Right. And at its core, Sean, what we've seen is it goes to their lack of value in humanity or their lack of value in life. Um, and they'll say they claim for life. They, they care about like humanity and all these things. And but everything it's it's just a facade when you actually understand the policy and plan and what it leads to. What they're going for it always comes back to power and control and what they can take from you to uh, garner more control from you. So and they're not even hiding anymore. It was because it was from under Obama. Like even you had this idea that they don't value life and people under Obamacare. They created. They even they created death panels to determine. On healthcare, who gets treatment, who doesn't, who's lived too long, who do, who like who's outlived their uh value of life. And they pretended for a long time that they said this was never gonna happen, and it did. It was happening, just like in the UK, just like in all the socialist healthcare systems, that's the things that occur. Um I mean, today we've seen they've gone to the level of having this unhinged approach of with uh abortion, which basically they want to go to the point of murdering the unborn. Post abortion, you have California trying to pass a law, not even just like full term abortions. They're going post and perinatal, which is post birth abortion, AKA murder. Um, and there's no question about it. And they, so they've got this whole direction going so far to show who they truly are about their lacking an understanding and value of life and humanity. So, So, again, that this is their standard of value. And it starts. From human life. Human life to the today's left, to this Marxist left that has taken over, comes second. Um, so I want to jump into some of this other recent examples to kind of help drive this point home. Um, and we'll put some of these articles back in the show notes so you guys can so look at them for yourself. There was a so there's a Turkish American streamer, Hassan Piker, who like he's He's big on TikTok. He's a big streamer. The left loves him on Twitch. Um, And he was out there streaming. When you understand, Queen Elizabeth II died. Everyone's heard it. We all heard it everywhere, Sean, right? It's... But this guy, Hassan Piker, was sitting here. He's already dancing and celebrating on Twitch about um, F you, Queen. Uh, He's saying, ding dong, the... is dead. (laughs) Um, I mean, you guys could fill in the blanks of the words, but... This guy, like Piker, he's not one of these guys who really understands, has a to touch on reality, but there's these liberal influencers, and this is what people look to, and this is what they listen to. Like this guy's a champagne socialist who lives on a $2.74 million mansion in Beverly Hills, and he's one of these very popular figures of the woke left with his, uh, Hus, what is it, Hassan Abi? channel on the twitch streaming platform so he gets following and people listen to this and this guy's out here because again this is part of the liberal mindset that you want to celebrate the queen's death i don't care if you like her i don't care if you don't like her policies i don't care if you anything period but the fact is it shows that they do not care about life and they're openly if it goes against and fits the serves the mean ends that they want then if it just the ends justifies the means to them it doesn't matter right so, um so and then like another example of this we saw the Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon professor, Ujuanya, wishing that the queen, Elizabeth II, may have a painful and excruciating death, right? The Carnegie Mellon professor reacted to the news of the Brit- Britain's queen, Elizabeth II, suffering from poor health. And even before, at that time, she was just saying, I hope she has a painful and excruciating death. And that's what she tweeted out there. She's she in she, her hatred is because she claims that it. it's the monarchy and she's a genocidal congregate colonizer. And she's a woman chief monarch of a thriving, raping genocidal empire. And may her pain be excruciating, right? This is whether you like somebody or not, it's a disgusting way to talk about people in the view, but it doesn't matter to them because they do not care about life. Right? So, Sean, those, like, that's two of the examples that would come out the door. And then you turn around this other part that we recently just saw, right? So there was this recent thing that we started hearing about, this railroad strike with Amtrak. And that started popping up. Um, so at the 11th hour, you they made this whole thing of how the Biden team came in and saved the day. And they wanted you to believe that it was because of joe biden because of what he did that he came in and saved the day to prevent the strike to not cause any supply chain crisis issues right but why would they need to try and present something so issue? because if they actually cared about life to not affect people's the food on their table like agricultural is trying to talk about they're not going to get fertilized to plant crops they won't be able to produce which food wouldn't, wouldn't be able to get to the table um but if they actually cared about the life and actually cared about what they were actually going to affect, then why did the Biden's mediation team walk away from the negotiation table and assist the end back in June and to only turn around now and wait to get involved in the 11th hour in the final week to suddenly say that Joe Biden came out of the woodward to um, bring them all back to the table and save the day when create
1: the problem to be the, to fix the problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's exactly what we, you and I've been talking about here. They, they always have the same pattern every time they create a problem to come and fix it. But if you cared about the value of life and the people's lives that this would affect, you would never do this. They would have solved the problem starting back in June. They wouldn't have walked away. Um, and don't get me wrong. This is not some government intervention piece. This is actually a common thing where the, the government's going to help the union with Amtrak to have this negotiation because it does impact a huge part of commerce in society, right? So they have a committee and a team, a mediation team that often gets involved in these things. Um, but again, they walked away in June and they wanted to make this whole thing for the Biden to come save the day at the 11th hour. Not because he actually cared about people's lives or be affected by this, but because there's an election coming up. Um, but Reuters was the one out there reporting that came exactly that how Joe Biden came in and saved the day, and forced them to negotiate all night, which not for anything. I don't even know if you look at Joe Biden's agenda. The guy's not even usually awake past 3 p.m. So I find it very hard, Sean, that believe that Joe Biden had them out there negotiating all through the night to come up to a solution. Um, not that this wasn't something that seemed to be, again, I, the the first time this came out and I saw this, I was like, something seems very fishy and very staged about this whole thing. Like you're really watching political theater. And this is exactly what happens when you're looking in from a government that continues to push out propaganda that continues to push out this totalitarian state to make you believe and think a certain way. Um, but again, if they truly care about life, they wouldn't have left that table back in June. Right. So, so what, did, Sean, what did each of these examples further show us? It all comes back to the same piece at the core value. Each one of these affect their view on a value of life, right? And it's nothing more than a means to an end for them and to get to whatever personal desire they, they need. It's always about power and control. Um, which gets back to like our last episode about the totalitarian state and what they're truly doing. Um, So let's actually, so let's turn gears a little bit to a recent update that we're going to talk about, right? So it's the CPI recently just came out uh, at our CPI came out at 8.3%. And while the CPI came out at 8.3%, now it was Joe Biden and the Democrats were sitting there celebrating his, uh, well, what he likes to call his inflation reduction act, which is really the American Reduction Act. Um, but he was sitting out there trying to celebrate that what he's doing and impacting. They were sitting at the White House, basically trying to celebrate this whole thing. So I want to cut to a clip, like while CPI came out at 8.3% on Monday, the 12th, let's see that same exact day. Here's here's a clip, Sean. From Nancy Pelosi, kind of cele- basically wanting to uh, thank Joe Biden for what he's done.
2: Mr. President, thank you for unifying and inspiring a vision of a stronger, fair, safer future for all. Your extraordinary leadership has made this glorious day possible. I, that's an applause line.
0: I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, I, I had a cut of that clip to include because that's kind of the, the funny point, Sean. Like, she has to actually say that Joe Biden's made this glorious day for them to get in their American Reduction Act. It's place. like those uh, typical, you know...
1: Late night comedy shows, right, or whatever yeah,
0: with the, the signs that say applause. Uh, applause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's that's an applause line. Oh yeah, it's, it, it would be if anybody actually believed anything good was coming out of this. That this wasn't just another Green New Deal package.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I think that was kind of yeah, that was kind of entertaining to say the least. But um, and with that, so let's hear what let's uh, hear what how Joe Biden kind of responded into how he spoke about how this uh, Inflation Reduction Act, in his words, not mine, was
2: great for America. Cut two. This couldn't have happened without every single one of you, and that's in the literal sense of the Senate. Every single one was required because the other team didn't want to play. And all our distinguished guests, CEOs, act, advocates, adv- activists, thank you for joining us. And what a great day. Exactly four weeks ago today, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law, a single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation, and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. I said it then, and I'll keep saying it. With this law, the American people won and special interests lost. Say it again the American people won and special interests lost. Folks, we're going to lower prescription drug costs, lower health insurance costs, lower energy costs for millions of families. I going to take the most aggressive action ever, ever, ever to confront the climate crisis and increase our energy security ever in the whole world. And that's not hyperbole. That's a fact. Repeat line. <laughs>
0: uh... That's not that's not hyperbole, that's a fact. That what does he usually say? Was like that's a fact jack or whatever nonsense, usually <laughs> Yeah. He's uh, giving his speech though, like with the what he's spewing, he's like, what does he say there? Special interest lost. Right? I'm sorry, this is one of the biggest handouts to special interests. Not true. So not true. This is literally putting tons of money in the pockets of the elites and special interests. Um Lowering prescription drug costs? Well, that's a price control system. And A, because while the same time they're hammering lowering prescription drug costs, they've been helping through the COVID-19 vaccines there, and i give Moderna and Pfizer like record profits. Trillion dollars. So oh, his whole idea of like, oh, look at us, we're taking on Big Pharma. Well, um, you've actually been helping Big Pharma more than anybody, actually. Um, and then he gets into energy security and take on the climate crisis so again what this was always about has to do with this is another version of a green new deal yeah i i think that
1: i think that one of the biggest issues that i have with the democratic party or and i don't even want to put party names to it right the leaderships in office today right yep i they are telling you what you want to hear But doing the exact opposite, because they think that everybody's dumb, that nobody's going to actually research it and they can tell you what they want you to hear and they're going to do the exact opposite. Right. It's like it's almost like a game to them. Right. We could just say whatever we want and we're going to do whatever we want and people are going to keep voting for us. And so I think that, you know, instead of sitting here and pointing to the other side, right. I, yep. I I think that the biggest thing that we can do is challenge each other to really look into these policies and see if it's what we
0: believe in. Uh, that's why I couldn't agree more. Like Again, this goes back to a lot of what we continue to talk about. This doesn't like, yeah, there's a lot that we're going to hammer things from a conservative viewpoint, but this is not about a party. This is not about the Democrats or Republicans. And at the end of the day, when you see what doing, the Republicans are doing, this, a lot of the same thing. Um, from how they're a joke and how they make policy and what they put in the same place. And they're spineless when you see like everything that Mitch McConnell's often running around doing or Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney or Lisa Murkowski. They're literally spineless and they're not listening to the people. They don't actually care what their constituents want. They, and all they're focused on is their next election to keep their seat, right? And magically, they somehow, as it gets closer to elections, if you go back through their voting data, a lot of them suddenly somehow become more conservative to kind of appeal to their base on the conservative side but then for the republicans and yet you have like mitch mcconnell will turn around and be a joke once he's elected and start voting with everything the democrats want right so i mean they're just as bad and it's a part of that's why we're holding true to the principles itself because that's we have to understand how these people are viewing these things um and while like while this is going on like this is the astounding part sean Joe Biden and the Democrats, at that's reality. That's who's there because um, he said they, the other party didn't want to play. You're right. The other party didn't want to play with this because the Republicans actually have realized the Inflation Reduction Act, which everyone has now fully known and understood that this increases increasing inflation from the level of spending and the special interest in all the money they're getting out of this. Um, and have, this is really another version of a Green New Deal that's why they didn't want to play take part in this because guess what they have to eat every single vote that they put on it so no a republican wouldn't want to put their name on it because none of them should have their name connected to that so yeah i'm actually glad for once you saw uh, some of the republicans holding a line of not actually signing on to this nonsense um because so the same and the, but they're trying to position this as oh look we're continuing while we're celebrating the inflation reduction act oh look CPI came out, it's 8.3%. So you have June, that was at 9.1, July at 8.5, August at 8.3. And they want to celebrate this like it's a good thing. It's still, uh, let's put it this way. If you have over 7% inflation, your costs are going to double in 10 years. There's nothing good about it, right? So 8.3 to 8.5, it's still horrible and it's hurting the American people. Um, and what they're doing here has, like, it's what really you have to realize what they're really doing here isn't about, like, we've talked about this has nothing to do about, oh, they really want to help the American people because they don't actually value life. This has to do with what in the economic terms called like demand destruction. And this economic theory is something that's becoming more com- prominent. You can see it everywhere. And, and basically, to make an example of this, they, the saying goes in when you deal about in the commodities markets the best fix to high prices is higher prices because you're going to control and push people away from their demand. And eventually that'll bring down the price. So as we saw in the opening, they're opening this, this is a method they're using basically to have a controlled collapse of our economy, the entire, and which is the entire ESG movement. And it's a vehicle to instill demand destruction across, across our economy. Um, Now, again, at its core, demand destruction is going to, cause inflation and raising the prices and affect you, Sean, or anybody, everybody is going to affect your demand. You're going to change your vacation plans. You're not going to spend as much money. I mean, consumer, what they don't tell you is consumer debt on credit cards has skyrocketed all while Joe Biden's sitting there in the White House celebrating his uh, American Reduction Act over there. And what we're living through here is literally seeing one of the greatest propaganda presentations in the history of this nation. I mean, heck, you even had, what is it, I think it was James Taylor or some musician partying up at the White House, celebrating with music during this Inflation Reduction Act celebration, all while America continue America continues to get harmed. Once you step out from the elite bubble, you have real America that's being affected by all this. So what does this all lead to? It, I mean, it leads to millions of people getting impoverished, and are, and where are you going, to, you want to drive up the cost of energy? When he's trying to say in his thing, he's, he's going to give us energy security? We're not going to have you. You look across the nation; you have California having issues with rolling brownouts, they're, and they're also what now telling citizens to not charge their electric vehicles. I mean, you have in Europe it's going haywire; um, people are unable to heat their homes. But somehow this push for a diluted and unsustainable and unreliable energy in solar and wind, well. This is, they claim this is gonna make some more, you have energy security, right? But at the end of the day, this all follows the ESG and their obsession to attack fossil fuels goes for the same thing. It's because they don't actually care for humanity. But, and this, and this
1: goes back to the, the, the theme that we're trying to hit on, right? So in order for the inflation reduction act to get passed, it required that Democrats give Joe Manchin a gas line through West Virginia. Right, so yeah, so you're you're against fossil fuels as long as it until it costs you a vote to get your bill through. That's gonna raise inflation and cost everybody more money, right? Yeah, and this is the this is the secrets and, and the little stuff that that people need to dig into, and be aware of. They're sitting here saying that they're ESG, they're you know climate change, but there are proven pipelines in West Virginia to get a vote through to waste more money
0: yeah and that's actually sean a good like we're we're gonna dig into that a little bit later in the show about what was actually happening in europe because germany's waking up to certain things france is waking up to certain things um the uk is waking up to certain things all because they've been a few years ahead of us on this green journey right um and because at the end of the day it's they're not worried about how this negatively impacts human life and they care about their personal greed their personal interests and you your humanity Life comes last. So, and they'd sit here and tell you, you need to get comfortable living with less. You need to get live, comfortable living more impoverished. And somehow you want to tell me that's caring about people by your whole goal. And what you're doing is actually choking off human flourishing. So Sean, so look, this whole thing, while we laid out too, like you just said there, look, there's a very key piece of why this matters and what's important about this and at, the, at its core how they, the standard of value that Democrats have starts from a lack of care for life, right? So um, with that, I just want to run through a from a biblical view why this is important to us. So this goes right into Genesis 1, 26 through 29. Um, so then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, Rule rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and to all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food and it was so so sean there's like a, a few key pieces right in there in that verse from the biblical worldview we are who have dominion as humans over the planet that's what we were got how god created us and this was from the genesis one right from the start so if you deny that you're literally denying everything that follows in the bible um and if you're supposed to subdue the planet to use it to your humans benefit to rightfully take care of the planet, yet you're not supposed to worship the planet. So the, the ESG and the climate change, the green energy, the environmentalist movement, what we're seeing today is purely a religion in itself. They kneel at the altar to worship the green gods, which is again against the biblical worldview of having false gods and worshiping the in Romans, it goes against worshiping the created and not the creator. Right? So you don't doubt. I mean, look, you and then today it's to the point that like, look, you want to know who the elders of this church are? You can't doubt, don't dare doubt and question the prophecies of what or the elders that come from Claude Schwab, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, George Soros, Al Gore, or you know, any other they're basically their church elders. Um, and because if you question climate change, these it's prophets. If you question them, it's blasphemy in their view, right? So they come out this whole attacking and they have this whole cancel culture that comes after you and all this because you don't dare question anything. And that's the truth is about the green religion is really all about power. These climate Marxists believe that only a select few are fit to rule and everyone else is either a servant or a serf. And if one of you ever have enough humans for those roles, all the rest of us, well, are expendable. And this is in their view. This gets back to the core of they believe you're expendable at the behest of the planet because they worship the planet. Right? So you have this climate change zealotry at the end of the day, which is a bald-faced s- scam that you have hundreds of millions of human beings around the world that have allowed themselves to get caught up in one is, Sean probably one of the most single, most diabolical con games of all time. Like if Satan – if evil is going to do any work, would you do this any other way? Like there's no better example of how dangerous a virus can be than than they've gotten you to be able to turn off your ability to critically think. And yet people believe – like so what we look at this when we look at this, like people believe whatever governments are willing to push stories, opinions, and narratives get a message across. Or you'll even see people on a question – I should say I should say, people question governments in a lot of things when they push into the opinions and errors, right? Um, but here on climate change, in the environmentalist religion, you don't dare question anything, and it's basically people that are blind – with blind faith, and a lot of these people that have more zealous faith than even many Christians today, which I think is another problem. You see, look, the pope even comes out saying this stuff on climate change, which is speaking absolute heresy. That he sits here and speaks for climate change when he's literally talking about people to worship a planet. And yet, this guy's, because he's in a position of power and influence, he has people that listen to him and they just turn off and just don't actually think about what's being said. Because the environmentalist movement is a religion in its own. So we have over 7 billion people in this world. And the environmentalists, Sean, what is it? It's like, so there's over 7 billion people in this world, and the environmentalists want to believe. That we need to be up in arms because a polar bear has to move from like one part of an ice cap over to another area, right? A polar bear. Look, don't get me wrong. I think they're cute. I like them. Um, But the same environmentalists want to ignore the fact that with a planet that has over 7 billion people in it, 3 billion people don't even have access. 3 billion people, again, do not have access to adequate electricity. And 1.3 billion people don't even have electricity. But we need to be concerned about like the polar bears and all this other part, right? When it goes against the biblical worldview, you're supposed to take the planet and use the resources in the right way. It's not saying yeah. No, but what are you, what, what is that order that you're putting in of the hierarchy?
1: Yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that our, that we're worse than any meteor that's hit the earth we're worse than any volcano that's erupted on the earth right like and i i I agree we should be holding ourselves to a higher standard and enforce uh you know technology to help better our lives but why would we put ourselves in a worse position and not hold everybody accountable right because yeah what is it Like eighty percent of the world's pollution comes from China. In in China, right? So you know we have all these expectations, but we're not holding other people accountable. So we're going to force. What's you are going to difficulty on ourselves and not hold anybody else accountable?
0: Yeah, no, completely. You are going to force such a catastrophe to harm humanity because you do not value life. You care about the planet more than life. You are going to put that in that order.
1: It's not about – it's not about
0: – Yeah. Well, it's not for them. It, It's about
1: profitability. Yeah.
0: yeah, and that's where it comes back to. It comes back to their power, their control, um, and the value in the order of what their standard of value is, right? So you have to ask, what's your standard of value? And that's where it comes back to that – look, I'll say for myself, Sean, I think you agree. that we, As we've talked about this plenty, and it comes from a biblical worldview and a conservative worldview, I hold our standard of value is human life. Um, look, because at the end of the day, without life, you can't have anything else. Even if you take aside from taking this into a biblical worldview, you have nothing without life. And so you don't even need to make this about religion, but we are because that's a very important fact. And God never called us to cede certain parts of our life to the secular society, right? Um, I think it's in James when it says, it's like, look, you're called through faith. Without faith without works is dead and this isn't saying that you get to heaven with through works acts of works right but you have to be how it conducts how you're acting and carrying out your life so sean to your point it gets back to how we should be better improving yeah we should be taking care of our planet and how to improve it and through the technological advances which we have but they don't ever tell you about the benefits of fossil fuels all you ever hear about is is this propaganda? This fake lie of how horrible it is, right? So this environment, because the environmentalists, under there, and the leftists today, their standard of value is through nature unaltered by man, and it's about worshiping the planet, which is the created, not the creator. Which comes back to at the end of the day, because it's a method of transferring power, wealth, and keeping them in control. Thus, human life to when you understand this at the core, that human life to them comes second to all their decision making it helps you see how they view policies. It's not just one thing in like environmentalism in the side, right, Sean? You can start understanding how they view the border protection, how they view the military, how they view the school choice, how they view taxes. All of it makes sense when you understand at the core, they do not, the value of life comes secondary. Um, but instead of following what we're biblically called, which biblically we're called to subdue and make beneficial use of the planet, the environmentalists believe that you must subdue the planet at the be- you must be subdued at the behest of the planet. Your life matters less than the created planet around you. So, again, this is a very concerning part to me because look, you're it was uh Paul that wrote this back in like 2nd Thessalonians 3 14 through 15, right? And he's speaking to the exact importance of using correct biblical doctrine and his trying to correct misunderstandings within the, the at at the time, right? So in this verse it says, take special note of anyone who does not obey our instructions in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Right, Sean? So this is the part is like again, whether you're a Christian, not right, as Christians, it's our position that we have to be speaking to truth. We have to speak the truth and we have to not be afraid of it because what they're doing You're allowing more harm and evil to come into the planet from this direction they're going path because it's not helping people. It's never been about that. But they try to put this in the facade that it is because fossil fuel, fossil fuel fuel use so far has been the moral choice because it has enabled billions of people to live longer and more fulfilling lives. Humans under the use of fossil, fossil fuels have flourished like never before on the face of this planet. Human ingenuity. Like Sean, right there, right? Through technology and improving technology, human ingenuity has improved this to be one of the cleanest processes compared to where it used to be. I'm not saying this is like going back to how we went through coal mining, all this stuff back over 150 years ago. No, it wasn't clean, but through human ingenuity and technology, we've improved to an extremely clean process. But they'll never tell you about the benefits of this. All you ever hear is about the dogma and the propaganda attacking fossil fuels. So, I mean, what you hear, like Sean, what's the common? They always say, like, oh, fossil fuels are dirty, right? And this is the, yeah. So, like, that's one of the biggest propaganda pieces that we see, and we constantly hear. Meanwhile, the truth is, fossil fuels have fueled the unprecedented industrial progress that has doubled human life expectancy, produced the cleanest and healthiest human environment in the history of the world. So, we, Sean, we've learned to live with the environment. Whether I, whether the climate's increasing, decreasing or not through the proper use of fossil fuels and clean production, how we've improved the healthiest environment in history. We've have clean water. We have air conditioning. We've learned to live with the climate, whether whatever direction it's going. Right. But you have, um, let me look back. So there was, uh, probably one of the greatest, probably, uh, authors and writers and researchers on this area in recent times right now has been Alex Epstein, so he's been all over this. And I pulled uh, this quote back, came from his book in Fossil Fuels Improve the Planet back in 2013, right? So this is what he wrote. For the foreseeable future, fossil fuels provide the key to, the, to a great environment, abundant, affordable, and reliable energy. We are taught in school that the key to a great environment is to minimize our impact on it. We think our environment, think of our environment as something that starts out healthy and that we as humans have messed up. That's not so. Nature does not give us a healthy environment to live in. Until the fossil fuel-fueled industrial revolution of the last two centuries, human beings lived in an environment that was low on useful resources and high on danger. So again, Sean, it goes to the part of how are we actually improving the life livelihood, improving the human environment, improving life expectancy. And we've actually made the whole processes cleaner in the proce- in the throughout the process. So if the social and economic costs of any fossil fuel energy outweigh the benefits, then why should we do so? Why should we end it? Like if solar and wind were such good alternatives, they wouldn't need all these political adv- advocates. They would win out in the free market. But solar and wind have been the biggest energy failures of the last century. I mean both climate change – like when you look at this, the, but the climate change church elders will claim that if you question anything, well, now, now, Sean, you're a climate denier. So just like everything right now, you're either election denier, climate denier, everything. Anything if you question the elders, you're a denier. And you want to tell me this isn't a dogma faith? This isn't a religion to these people? Um, and then what's the point of saving the planet if the economic consequences for obeying the climate gods is unleashing runaway inflation, currency collapse, worldwide war, disease, famine, starvation. Um, now, like Sean, we've, we've seen these warnings and all, all these failed predictions since the 1970s. But since Barack Obama and all his pushing, he's dumping money to green energy and like money to Solyndra and all these other failures, they have now gone into overdrive into this war on fossil fuels. Because at its core, they have to go into overdrive because people are waking up to it. They're seeing this war on fossil fuels and the ESG scam. And they're seeing it at what it's actually doing, Sean, like we said, at its what it's big key. It's also creating the largest wealth transfer in human history. The elites and the pay, what people don't realize while well, all this is happening through ESG and all this, this actual, what the left loves talking about, this pay gap and this desperate... Gap from the uh, rich and the poor and the different class system that they always like to talk about. The one percent are getting richer, and yet everyone else is told to go live with less, go eat the bugs, right? You're not going to have food. You're not going to have it. They, they don't matter. You get over it. But meanwhile, you have Al Gore hopping on an airplane, flying over the planet. If you believe that carbon dioxide is being such a problem, why is he flying around all over the, all over the world on an airplane? Because again, they don't. Act, none of these people actually believe what they say. To them. They're getting really f- filthy rich. And many of these – like so many of these leading environmentalists that have predicted this fossil fuel catastrophe and hold, hold again, that this standard of value, what they, their standard of value, these environmentalists believe, is a pristine nature, which is nature unaltered by man, which, again, which goes back to what we're told to reduce our impact and don't touch it. Um, so it was the – There was actually, so Bill McKibben is one of these guys who's a big environmentalist author. They view him as an influencer on that whole side of the argument. Um, And he's one of these alleged leading minds of this, what is really the technical degrowth movement of environmentalist movement from the seventies out of Europe. And the degrowth movement, again, was that whole thing to reduce human impact means you had to reduce human life, society, your impact. Um, And he wrote a book that was the, called the end of nature about like 15, 20 years ago. And the LA times wrote a review on this. Um, the LA times believed that this book, again, they called it was when the, it was the clarion call for the global warming that inspired the next generation. Um, so David Grabber, Grabber, whatever his name is, or I'm probably butchering it. So David Grabber, he, uh, he wrote the book, a review on this book by Bill McKibben, who David Grabber is a research, a uh, research biologist from the national park service. And What he wrote on the review is actually look. You have to listen to this thing because Sean, this is kind of even more appalling when you realize. So he says, McKibben is a biocentrist, and so am I. And again, Sean, I'm saying this. You have to realize to understand the mindset of how they think, right? So he said, "Bill, Bill McKibben is a biocentrist, and so am I. We are not interested in the utility of particular species or the free flowing or a free flowing river or ecosystem to mankind. They have intrinsic value. More value to me than another human body or a billion of them. Again, right there, he's saying they don't value human life. He says, I am a biocentrist. We are not interested in the utility of a particular species. Did I just jump backwards and read the same thing? I think I did. So human happiness and certain they're not interested in human happiness and and certainly human. Uh, fecundity, which is aka human's ability to produce an abundance of offspring, aka having fertility, um, they are not as important as the wild and healthy planet. I know social scientists who remind me that people are part of nature, but it isn't true. Somewhere along the line, about 1 billion years ago, maybe half of that, we quit the contract and became a cancer. So again, these people think human life is a cancer to the planet because you have to subdue yourself to the planet. So he further goes on and says, we have become a plague upon ourselves and upon the earth. And it is cosmically unlikely that the developed world, developed world of choice. what What, what is he even saying here? His developed, developed world of choose to the end. It's what choose to end its orgy of fossil fuels consumption. And the third world itself's suicidal consumption of landscape. Until such time, homo sapiens should decide to rejoin nature. Some of us can only hope the right virus comes along. So wh- what is the primary importance there? Again, goes back to the answer is that we need to They believe the environmentalists, this religion that they believe is that no va- they don't value human life. And you're, you need to minimize your impact on the environment.
1: Everybody um, except for their own life.
0: Yeah. That's where – and it's always – it comes back to that elitist separation that they – everyone needs to affect their life and impact their life and diminish their life except them, Sean. A hundred percent right. A hundred percent. Now, I will say, look, that's a whole – that whole – even that review of Bill McKibben's book is just the insanity of it. And look, he leaves off in that last line saying, yeah, I hope there's a virus that comes along and basically wipes out the planet. And right now you see – Joe Biden pushing this Green New Deal and everything going out there at the same exact time when we just come off COVID-19, what they talked about putting in place to help impact and lower the planet's humanity.
1: Um, And Bill Gates says we're going to have another pandemic.
0: Yeah, well, and that's where, like, they keep trying to push this, right? And it's always just, what's the next thing around the corner? So meanwhile, the truth of the matter is that Human beings are safer today than we've ever been, right? Despite whatever impact we have, made, have had from increasing concentrations of CO2, the atmosphere has changed from 0.03% by, to only by 0.04% of CO2. And what they're never telling you is actually looking at the whole big picture. Where the world was before fossil fuels and what are the benefits of fossil fuels? All you ever hear is the propaganda of the negative. For example, like the percentage of the world with good, like we said, was like good quality of water has got dramatically gone up in the last 25 years as countries have used more fossil fuels, not less. Um, The improvement is incredible. And of course, there are places like China, Sean, like you mentioned, right? China, they have the highest levels of smog, but but the track record of the rest of the world indicates that this can be corrected by using an ever increasing amount of fossil fuels. And China's agreed that they're not coming off fossil fuels. So it doesn't matter what the rest of the world wants to do. China, Russia, India, Brazil, um, South Africa, all of them agree that they're not coming off fossil fuels. So it doesn't matter what you want to do because it's not going to affect anything. So the more fossil fuels that have been used over time has led to more human flourishing and more people that have been taken out of poverty and more societies that have successfully grown. Now, from the 1970s to the present, what you've seen in the fossil fuels have been overwhelmingly been... The fuel of choice, particularly in developing countries. Compared to where we were in the 1970s, with all the climate climate change alarm, well, then it was then it was global cooling, but that was all the global cooling alarmists in the world today. There's actually 39% more oil, 107% more coal, 131% more natural gas, than did in than there was being used in 1980. Now I thought that this wasn't supposed to happen. All the uh, anti-fossil fuel worshiping environmentalists have told us that the more fossil fuel we use would lead to death and destruction. And that's constantly what they continue to hear. I think it was like, what, by 2019 or by 2020, New York City was supposed to be flooded underwater. 2012. All right, there you go. So I was even behind on that. Still late, but still here, right? So it's the same nonsense that they continue to say. And it's always just now they jerry up another next fear campaign to how they can control society with it um 2030
1: now right
0: yeah they keep pushing the ball out so like even if this like, like even if we shift we're shifting towards renewable energy the actual data shows that fossil fuel usage has significantly increased like the solar and wind are still only a minuscule portion of the world's energy use and is even misleading that because the fo- that's even misleading because the fossil fuels are reliable where solar and winds are not so not
1: not to mention the the more damage it does to the planet, mining that transporting it around the world, converting it into whatever an end product is, and then yeah. trying to recycle that, right?
0: Oh yeah. Well, and that's what it gets back to, right? So you have 7 billion people in the world, 1.3 billion people who currently don't have electricity, and another 3 billion people who don't even have adequate electricity. Yet this comes to the point that we need a cheap, accessible, plenty, plentiful, and actual, reliable energy because energy is the lifeblood of an economy. And it, we can bind this with hum, if we combine this with human ingenuity, we can transform the world as we have already have from what is a to a safe place to an even safer place, from what's a healthier place to an even healthier place, even with the alleged climate change. Like, we, like we've used fossil fuel technology to transform the world and understand that the value of human life improves on an epic scale. Um, so what's like the solution to all this use of source of energy that is unreliable and is actually unsustainable is to use the source of energy that is... They're, they're coming at it saying well the solution is to use even more energy that is not cheap and not accessible. If we go to solar, wind, um, even biomass energy... Right. The only this will only further impoverish people and it will negatively impact human life. But one can only take a stance if your standard of value is not human life to begin with. But your standard of value is the planet comes before human life. So, like the and we need basically what we need to do is take this whole the whole thing into the whole process, the full energy process into account how, and how it produces energy because this is taking the form of raw energy and transforming it into a usable form of energy so that it becomes heat that you have in your home or fuel in your car, right? So you have to, like, this is the whole part of it. We have to really understand the full process, what the impact, what the cost is. Um, and if you believe the path is to go down the, the war on fossil fuels, again, China, Russia, and India don't even care. Um, China's now opening up coal plants. At, at basically for every three, every one week close, they're opening three. So the choice is clear before us. If you want to follow the deeper investment in the fossil fuels, you'll have human flourishing. If you follow the green energy religion, you're not guaranteed, you're guaranteed a path the poverty. And even if you believe that you wanted to get to a different source of energy, which we may very well, we need to do that in an efficient and correct manner, which would require actually a deeper and heavier investment in fossil fuels to reach such a point to be able to transition, not just take an immediate and irresponsible um, changeover. And basically what the Democrats are doing is they're having the Democrat-made energy crisis. So with this piece, Sean, there's the the Democrat-made energy energy crisis. What they've turned this into in the Democrat-made energy crisis is very clear that there's – a lot of background on this and the ESG and where it's going is basically going to do a collab, basically help collapse the economy because they need to bring down life because it, your life doesn't matter and you need to be, reduce your impact. Um, so I just wanted to get back on real quick. We'll run through this, where this is currently today. And it gets into a piece that Trump actually warned Germany um, and Europe from relying on Russian oil and their oil and gas supply. And look, it, it, but it was the German, especially Germany, Angela Merkel, after the 2020 election, she had, like she, she, hate, she hated Trump, and she immediately canceled plans to import oil from the U.S. She um, – and she threw Germany in the hands of Russia, and this is where Germany and most of Europe are today. So let's look back at this 2018 clip real quick about Trump before the U.N. warning Germany, and basically the German rep basically kind of laughed in his face because they thought he was crazy for – saying that they would be dependent on Russia. And yet, even fast forward where we are today, Sean, he's been vindicated, because that's exactly where they are today.
2: Reliance on a single foreign supplier can leave a nation vulnerable to extortion and intimidation. That is why we congratulate European states such as Poland for leading the construction of a Baltic pipeline so that nations are not dependent on Russia to meet their energy needs. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately
0: change course. Yeah, so, Sean, um, I'm pretty sure Trump's been vindicated because you now have – fast forward today and they have issues, like we've said, where they have to – trouble, they can't – leave. they have to leave the lights on and make decisions. Do we leave the lights on or do we allow hot water? Um, I think – I don't know if it's in Munich or whatever, but they were trying to make decisions behind that about – well, their decision, they're further down the road on their green energy obsession.
1: Yeah, Russia, uh, natural gas export has tripled uh, since 2018. Uh, and now Germany is struggling to literally keep the lights on.
0: Yeah, I, and I think there's, I mean, to that point, like I said, look, Germany's ahead of us on this. Um, Europe's been headed, uh, started this very irresponsible war on fossil fuels. Um, and it was Germany. Like, so how did Germany get there, Sean? I think we this went back in 2014 Then Germany spent $412 billion on a green energy transformation. And there's an article I found back in here from like a daily caller that, uh, the Switzerland based FAA financial advisory, AG, looked into the consequences of Germany's investment, um, and what they found, and I'll link the article into our show notes on this one, look, their investment that they put in there, it did not provide net savings to consumers, but rather it was a net increase to the cost for consumers and other stakeholders. Hmm. Surprise, surprise, because here we are in 2022 and there, that's what happened, right? And they, they went on further to say, over the last decade, the well-intentioned policymakers of Germany and other European countries have created a renewable energy policies that have slowly revealed themselves to be unsustainable, resulting in a profound and unintended consequences for all industry stakeholders. And they further went on, accordingly, the United States and other countries should carefully assess the lessons learned in Germany with respect to the generous subsidy programs and a relatively rapid and large-scale deployment and integration of renewable energy into the power system. Uh, Germany was once touted even by Barack Obama as the shining example for green energy policy, right? But there you have the FFA, FAA warning us in the U.S. like uh, you probably shouldn't follow our lead. Um, So, I mean, look, it was back in, uh, I think it was like January of this year. What are we in, 2022? It's all a blur. Um, in 2022, that Germany had shut down their nuclear energy. Their plan was to uh, phase out nuclear energy by the end of 2022. And they're now down to only a few plants of nuclear energy remaining as of January this year. However, Sean, this is where we were talking about how they're now backtracking, right? However, Germany suddenly made an announcement that they will be keeping two plants available just in case of emergencies until 2023. But don't worry, they promise they will close them promptly after that. Um, Now I will tell you, if you believe CO2 is the problem, like CO2 emissions, right? And if that's your belief, Well, why again, what we don't talk about is nuclear energy has zero emissions and it's an extremely sustainable, plentiful, affordable, and sustainable energy. And it doesn't, and it has zero emissions, but because they're, that's not, that's not actually what they're looking for, right? So yet somehow, because it doesn't have to do with what they always claim it to be with the, oh, it's going to increase CO2 emissions. Because if you actually believe that you would look at nuclear energy as well, but they hate nuclear energy. Um, and it's not because of a risk so that we can talk about it a whole other time, because that's a whole other lie that they always pretend to put out there as a myth. Um, so yeah, again, Germany's being also forced to fire up their coal fire plants after, uh, their desperate a desperate multimillion dollar program. So they're going to take another few, but here's the thing. Once you, they've all retired the coal fire plants and now it's going to take several months for them to get up. So they're in set and getting ready for a very cold winter. Um, so again, I just want to get this straight. Like you spend billions of dollars, transfer over to green energy. It's clearly not working. And what do you do, Sean? Well, you still have to spend even more money to open back up the coal-fired plants and open and keep your nuclear energy plant running because actual green energy is not sustainable. So you need the actual fossil fuels behind it to run it, to make it really sustainable. It's just, it's so pathetic and dishonest how they approach this. Um, so... Yeah, look at uh Sri Lanka, right? They were supposed to be the
1: leader in, in this green energy and in the shining mm. light of, of its benefit and their economic collapse.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean that's what and then look look at this stuff, right? In Europe you have skyrocketing gas prices have jumped thirty percent mm. upon Russia's announcement now, because now Russia said, Yeah, we're actually gonna completely shut off the Russia's uh, that uh what's it, Nord Stream One pipeline, which we've always warned. Uh, basically, they should have stayed away from, but they didn't want to believe us, and they laughed at Trump. And Biden greenlit – he greenlit the gas pipeline for them while killing the Keystone XL pipeline here, right? Again, if they actually believe what they meant why, what, and actually cared about any of this and actually cared about what they claim allegedly about life, which they don't, and this only proves it, why would you do that? So, I mean, like, but, look at France. But there's Russian collusion with Trump. Oh, of course. Well, that's because you have to always – anything they do they always project right so as you have to watch it's always the shiny object to look at him or look the other way while they're doing all this problem behind it yeah because, it, it's
1: crazy we're we're nearly two years into this presidency and they're still blaming trump for for issues right yeah
0: well you look at i mean that look that makes me think of, like look at um so back over in europe right france look at what they've done Back in 2019 they ended their support for fracking and oil extraction in all of its territories right but which with all this kind of interest what they really don't re- what the people don't know again because you know blame trump russia right um there's massive evidence that now came out that russia was colluding with the u.s green energy groups to block the fracking in france and why because they're sitting, they're, they're sitting there helping to push the sale to force nations to stop the internal production, which means they had to rely on Russia, which goes to all the output that you were saying, Sean. Because now they killed theirs, which means they know green energy is not sustainable, which means you're going to have to go get the cheaper, affordable, sustainable energy, and you're fully reliant on Russia. So that is why Russia has actually worked with the green energy groups to push this. So everything Democrats are doing here in the United States of the attack on this war on fossil fuels is only further actually helping Russia. Um, so since even Russia invaded the Ukraine, now France has spent $26 billion to help try to reduce gas and electric bills for their citizens that they further announced. And they've even further announced businesses have to come back and, uh, you know, make major cuts in their energy use. And, th- and they even asked further that, uh, businesses will have to appoint an, what do they call this guy? It was a ambassador of energy sobriety. And they need to present to the government their plans to basically cut their electricity use. Now, I mean, look, let's just bounce around a couple other areas. You got Italy. Italy was sitting there in Naples. There was a protest in Naples where people were burning their energy bills this month um, in front of town hall. Less than two weeks ago, there were 70,000 protesters in Prague over their electric bills. And you have, what, you have California. Let's jump over here into the U.S. This is what, what we're actually seeing, Sean. Is The hypocrisy, the elitist of that uh, announcement that
1: Gavin Newsom did saying you needed to raise your thermostats to 78 degrees, not yep. charge your electric cars while he's wearing a sweater inside his house saying, oh, it's not that bad.
0: Well, yeah, it's all that's what they said. So everything you're seeing there in Europe and then you're seeing it sounds like quite a lot like what's happening to California because they're following the same exact policy. and. What people don't realize, 17 states have now signed on to follow. Um, you didn't vote for this, but seventeen in those 17 states, including New York, New Jersey, um, you didn't sign on for this, but those states and your legislators have signed you up to follow. Whatever California does on this, you guys are going to do the same thing. So good luck, because that's another failed policy. Because again, Europe is failing. They're a few years ahead of it. They're trying to streamline it into California everywhere else. I mean... The whole, don't charge your cars, but yet you're supposed to have by 2035, all, they want to eliminate 100% combustion engines. So, I mean, look, if you look at California, they shut down their last nuclear power plant. Again, even to remind people, nuclear power has zero carbon emissions. Um, but California actually even further had to go back and say, no, nah, we actually have to extend the life of that last nuclear power plant at a cost of $1.4 billion. So <laughs> you're sitting here saying, again, Sean, just like over in Germany, hey, let's shut this down. Oh, actually, damn it, darn it, we have to keep this open. Another $1.4 billion it's going to cost us. Because, again, this is quite similar to the roadmap of what Europe has gone through and has failed.
1: I mean, it's still so less money than what we've sent to Ukraine. Uh, I think a lot of people also don't realize is, you know, what you... And, and I I think everybody can think of like the Simpsons, right? In, in in the nuclear power plant. What you actually see coming out of those is steam, right? Because they use water to cool the rods. So it's yeah. the most efficient energy possible.
0: Yeah. Well, that's exactly it, right? And it's also, it's, it's very efficient, right? Um, and yet you sit here and you have the Biden administration actually what seems to be excited about destroying... The nation and just destroying human flourishing that fossil fuels have developed i mean we have the the same exact europe's having the financial crisis in the exact same steps that we are taking behind them and they're just a few years ahead but we're looking to expedite this and put this on steroids through this inflation reduction act which is a green new deal which will push this even sooner to happen um and across like look even just already across the nation In the United States, you've seen the average utility bills have increased by 11%. And in California alone, 25%. So this is something that we want to import to the rest of the United States. So look, Biden, and not only, we got to mention that Biden's actually drained our strategic oil reserves at like record levels, right? So you look back and people say like, oh, this is like, Record lows were at. Yeah, because the record lows, when I was looking at the chart on the Sean the other day, it was when they were, it was, I think we're matching into almost where we're at now, like at the same level of our strategic oil reserve from like 1980. But that's because in the 70s, when they created it, they were filling it. So that's the chart going up. And you come in all of a sudden to like today, it's like a freaking reverse hockey stick on a complete downward trajectory. In a matter of like a year or two, we went all the way back to where it was in like the 1980 level.
1: And and we're not we're not issuing it out to the U.S. We're selling it to other yeah. countries.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the main part, right? So you get um, it, a million a million barrels a day or whatever they're selling over to China. China is the biggest importer set of buying the strategic petroleum reserve that we're selling, right? But again, China is fully invested in fossil fuels.
1: What, what's the uh, strategic oil reserve for? War time, A war in, in, in case we, yeah. we need to, yeah, which rule. gets
0: right to the part of this so is we're giving national our national security,
1: enemy, we're giving our biggest enemy all of our oil reserves, and yeah, we're on the verge of war.
0: Yeah, it's literally you're putting a huge national security risk in, and you're putting the United States at, at peril, right? And he's only doing this because he's trying to influence what he claims he's doing this to influence lowering the prices, which you're not because people. People's d- demand and patterns and vacations have all changed, and that's what's significantly driving down prices. And but regardless, he's trying to do this and claim it's because it's really because of the elections. So either way, he wants to do it. It's only because of the election, right? Um, and then there's also some things, right? There's a federal gas tax in some states they put on hiatus, but again, that's only temporary. And they, those those gas taxes can be only end right before the election because it's for one reason. It's not about helping you. It's because they don't value life. It's about value in this in this problem it comes from the environmentalist religion they put the planet first which is really all because it's a power grab so what's the solution to this right look as this podcast goes thus we need to basically really understand liberty matters and this means we need to liberate the energy industry we need we need them to be able to operate we need energy to have the lifeblood of our economy and Alex Epstein in one of his new books, um, what's it called, "Fossil Future," uh, has laid out the solution very well and discussed this in his new book. And it's basically on round page, I think it was page three sixty nine. There's a, it starts around that area. But if anyone wants to get it, it's a hefty book, but heavily detailed, heavily, um, book footnoted everything. It's a great, great read. It's not short, <laughs> but. Um, if a couple of solutions that we can have to fix this is we need to liberate responsible development. You need to end the anti-development incentives like ending the drilling leases, the Keystone XL pipeline, and other things, which also incentivizes people not to invest in oil companies. Um, so end preference of unreliable electricity because you're having the government dictate who and what we should be going towards. and mm-hmm. um, You need to reform and. Air. Number three, a reform air and emission standards to incorporate the real cost-benefit analysis. Because um, what they do is not actual cost-benefit analysis. They don't actually include the benefits. They're only focusing on the negatives. Um, number four is reduce the emissions long-term through innovation, not through punishing America, not through collapsing our society. And number five, as we've talked about this, because it's carbon dioxide zero, has zero emissions in it is decriminalized nuclear energy, right? So those are just a couple of things, obviously, look, anyone wants to dig into it, go get Alex Epstein's book. It digs in a lot deeper, but there's definitely solutions out there and really a way that we can come back and do this because at the end of the day, this is a pro-human, pro-life campaign. This is what a value where it starts from is actually the sanctity of life. And as a, from a biblical perspective, that's what we're called from Genesis one. that's what we're called to have to subdue the planet and use the benefits and resources in the right way to innovate and improve our livelihood, improve human flourishing, not destroy it, not impoverish it. Um, so with that, uh, i just going to hit one last piece, Sean that we're going through is right here we saw just to close out instead of what I know that was all you know kind of maybe doom and gloom but uh <laughs> it was one quick thing just to run as a little conservative win that we've seen recently and this is the way of people people have to be punching back um i don't know if you wanted to talk about it but it was ron desantis and what he's recently done over to uh the wonderful liberal mecca of martha's vineyard
1: yeah this is uh <laughs> hilarious one right I, I wish we could do more of this I wish they report more of this Ron DeSantis sending airplane 50 immigrants to Martha's Vineyard I, I think uh, uh, Governor Abbott also
0: sent a busload of 100 people to to uh, the VP's residence well they went yeah come Kamala Harris which I thought I saw like a funny maybe it was Babylon B that she was actually in a humanitarian crisis at Kamala Harris's border and <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, she has. Oh, where are these people all coming from? because she yeah. saw him, you know. So Desantis
1: gives uh, charters of flight fifty immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, and what does Martha's Vineyard do? <laughs> Gets a bus and ships them out.
0: <laughs> well, they ship them out right away to a military base, right? And not only that, they said, and they had to bring in a hundred fifty uh,
1: uh, National Guard.
0: Yeah, and it's they had an issue, at a humanitarian crisis. Um, wait a minute. So you receive fifty illegal immigrants. You issue a humanitarian crisis. The border states issue and receive thousands a day. It's what is it two hundred and fifty eight thousand illegal migrants per month ever coming through, and you get fifty and you guys have a humanitarian crisis. And not only that, you guys turn around. I think Martha's Vineyard typically, when I was looking at this, they typically house what seventeen thousand people around year round, But during the summer months, they get up to like one hundred or two hundred thousand people. So somehow you don't have housing for 50. Oh, like, it gets back to the core at the end of the day, Sean, it's well, they're not and They want for their housing. Well, that's, why. that's the part They're What they're doing is, is they don't value life at the end of the day. And they want to try and spin this and say, Oh, you're using these people as political pawns. That's straight garbage because your political pawn is using them and not caring about the border. You're not using about them when they're going through human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, the opioid crisis coming through our, our Southern border, all that is not caring about and using – you want to use people as political pawns when they're sitting there like, oh, you're separating the children. No, they're the ones that continue to use the political pawns. Ron DeSantis is finally making them put, eat, put their money where their mouth is, and you guys claim to be a sanctuary city.
1: And it's just been confirmed Venezuela emptied out their prisons to allow them well, that's, to come across yes. the, the U.S. border. That's what I saw. I and saw according this to our press, our press secretary, people don't just walk across the border. That's not happening,
0: even though there's –
1: Video after, video after drone, it is, it is video after drone
0: video, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw that one too. Yeah, Venezuela DHS put out a report saying, yeah, be on the lookout at Border Patrol for uh, Venezuela's emptying out its pr- violent prisons and the prisoners are being released and being shipped to go north to our border. So again, what also is uh I say is actually this is look this is a win because it's a Democrat city, right? But people don't talk about it. Because it's a Democrat city. So two things happen real quick and I'll wrap up the show with this.
1: But they're coming from a a democratic city of El Paso.
0: Well, that's exactly it, right? So the two things that happen, they're coming out of El Paso's mayor is the city council just approved $2 million to bus immigrants out of town. Um, But they'll never talk about it because it's a Democrat city. And or what they won't talk about is it was Joe Biden and DHS who are even sending planes in the middle of the night into Westchester County, New York, which is a very liberal county. Um, and yet somehow they're trying to say it's wrong for GOP governors to be sending illegal immigrants anywhere. Well, I'm sorry. I thought you guys were sanctuary cities. We're just giving you what you guys thought you wanted to give sanctuary to. So yeah, it's, again, it's a great thing that the El Paso mayor is seeing this and taking part of this. So I say it's a conservative win, but it's a hypocrisy of what the left does. Like they ignore it. Right. So All right, man. I know we definitely we ran long on this one because it was a very. There's a lot to this podcast, this episode. I want to say we are going to start wrapping up. Got any uh, final closing words? Now that we just loaded that all up.
1: Yeah, I I think that the biggest thing uh, for me and that you know I want to challenge people is to do your research. Right, we can sit here and point fingers all day, but do your research. and and you find the light on your own we're just trying to expose expose it um but do your research
0: yeah absolutely i would say every single thing we ever say look, we're always going to say this you do your due diligence you do your research think for yourself go figure out look we'll point some direction give you some stuff to get you going right to get you interested in what may work right but you want to go learn more about what's going on in this fossil fuel thing like i said go read alex epstein's new book fossil fossil and you'll really start understanding what's going on in that, and the actual what is a pro-human thing, and how we can actually pro- pro-life and understand how we position society to help improve human flourishing, not impoverish and destroy it. So, with that, um, we start close this. So let's go with uh, so. Please subscribe, follow, listen, tell friends, get this message out there. We have to keep speaking the truth. Um, thank you all. Have a, have a great week, and remember to stand for truth, kneel for God. Be the light. God bless America.